Today on the show, Matt Groening invited himself over for the holidays, so we're heating up some spit coffee, mm. and there's Thanksgiving slick in the stove with all the trimmings, folks. <laughs> we're talking Futurama. Do you take your spit coffee black or mm. milk, sugar? Oat milk? Do you have oat milk? Oat milk in your spit coffee? Yeah. We've got oat milk. Okay. <laughs> Do you happen to have oat spit also? Yeah, oat spit. You, okay, you chew up great. some oats, and then you just like let it sit for a little bit, and then you... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Perfect. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yum. That's how I prefer it. I know I'm being a, yeah. a bit high maintenance with my spiced coffee here, but thanks for accommodating. Can I get it with uh, six pumps of caramel latte spit, please? Uh, <laughs> six pumps? <laughs> six. Six. Welcome to Gam Jabbar, your guide to the iconic world of Dune. We'll be exploring the themes, philosophies, and characters found in the sandy depths of this vast universe. From Frank Herbert's groundbreaking novels to the adaptations on film and TV, television, my name is Leo. And my name's Abu. And hey, it's uh, it's Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So here in the States, it's uh, typically this This is a holiday week for right. us U.S. people. That's right. And normally we'd take the week off. But instead, we thought, you know what? We love talking about Dune. Uh-huh. We got some texts and some emails and some discords about the Dune parody episode of Futurama. Right. So we decided to uh, take this holiday week to talk about this cartoon. Yeah. And here's a special bonus for our patrons out there. Yeah. Over on patreon.com slash gomchabar, you can actually go watch the entire 30-minute watch-along video that we posted. You and I, Leo, sat down, turned on our cameras, and watched this episode of Futurama together, and we recorded it, because hashtag everything (laughs) is content, baby! (laughs) Yeah. So, link in the show notes, go check out the Patreon if you want to watch that whole video. It's true. It's it's kind of it's just a lot of us watching the episode. <laughs> well, quickly before we talk about what this episode is going to look like, let's take care of some quick housekeeping. Yes. And first up, we got a spoiler warning. Mm-hmm. Today's episode, although we're talking about Futurama, will contain light spoilers for everything up to God Emperor of Dune. Right. So to be extra super duper safe. Make sure you've at least read the first uh, three-ish books. First, like, and a little bit of the fourth book. Mm-hmm. And hey, if you haven't read past the first Dune book, go listen to our book club. Yeah. We cover every single page. Hell yeah. That's great. What good books. There you go. You don't have an excuse. Go read all the books. Listen to <laughs> yeah. the book club episodes. Why are you making so many ex- you're, you're so defensive right so now. So many excuses. God Jeez. damn. I might as well not read anything. Okay? <laughs> I'm just giving up on words. <laughs> Now, as always, at the top of the show, we want to shout out our Quiznos Cadillac patron, <laughs> Case Aiken. Yes. Case, thank you so much for your support and your generosity and the delicious subs. All of these jokes will make sense in a little bit when we talk about that. That's <laughs> true. It's a Futurama joke. If you watch the episode, you got it's it. It's true. You'll get it later. You can always re- rewind the episode once we get to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, with our housekeeping out of the way, here's the game plan for today's episode. Now, we're going to take just a couple of seconds to recap kind of the synopsis of the episode. So you have some context if you haven't seen it yet, if you don't want to take the 30 minutes to watch along with us on Patreon. 
you can get a sense of like what happens and where these different references fit in. Right. We're going to break down all of the references that we could find in the episode. And there are quite a few. Yep. And then finally, we're going to wrap up by sharing our favorite moment from the episode, as well as maybe just our broad takeaways. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a fun episode. <laughs> I mean, that's the fucking goal, hopefully. <laughs> I gave up on words. All I have left is podcasts. <laughs> but before we get into all of that fun junk, we're going to take a quick break. So don't go anywhere. Get your spit ready for that spit coffee we're going to share. <laughs> that's the sound of that. And uh, we'll be right back right after this. another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, folks. Let's briefly talk about this Futurama episode, just in case you haven't watched it, before we get into the Dune references in said Futurama episode. So here is a very, very quick synopsis. The episode focuses on Taranga Leela's pet Nibbler, who is Mm -hmm. sort of a cat, sort of a dog from what I picked up, (laughs) mostly an alien. And Nibbler is having some recent health issues. Uh He's got worms. And they're eating away at his little alien super intelligence because he's super smart. Right. But the worms are making him dumb. Oh, no. Now, the solution, of course, is to use a shrink ray and battle the worms that are seemingly located in Nibbler's litter box. Every time he uses the litter box, he gets reinfested by these worms. We got to go to the source and take them out. Yeah. By the end of the episode, it's discovered that... The worms themselves are actually suffering a parasitic infestation. And once that is resolved, Nibbler's super intelligence will return and he won't be sick anymore. That's sort of the plot twist of the episode. And so in a short 22 to 24 minutes, our heroes do just that. They help the worms. They save Nibbler and his intelligence. And the episode ends on a happy note. Everyone is back to the status quo, which is the case with these kinds of shows. Yeah. Short, sweet, and a lot of excuses to throw in Dune references. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I mean, most of the plot was just like excuses to do more Dune references. Yeah. So actually, speaking of, let's take a look at what they managed to include. And yeah. Genuinely, you know, I think for Dune fans, there were certainly maybe a dozen you caught 
there were more that started revealing themselves as we were kind of sifting through the episode. So right. I'm excited to uh, share what we've discovered. Yeah. And let's start with the iconic one, Leo. Yeah. Spice melange. Drug glitter. Drug <laughs> glitter. drug glitter. Nose numbing crystals. <laughs> so throughout this episode, we see some peculiar qualities about the sand that's in Nibbler's litter box. It's not your average mm. litter box sand that you, you or I might use for our cats. Right. We're told that his litter box contains, quote, precious sand with essential minerals from his home world, end quote. Right. And that should set off a couple of bells for Dune fans out there. Precious minerals in the sand from his own world. Now, throughout the episode, we see a couple of instances of people ingesting this sand. And it has an effect on these people that many of us might be familiar with if we know anything about Spice Melange. The characters will have weird, trippy visions. It'll give them hallucinations. And in general, they will start acting high. Yeah. Whenever they ingest some of this nibbler litter box special sand from his home world. Yeah. Spacing Guild member John getting high right with them. Yep. I did love the just Zoidberg, I'm going to bedazzle my lungs <laughs> as he like inhales. The, the, the That's his justification. Oh, okay. Delightful. You know, that joke didn't make sense to me in the moment. I'm glad you explained it to me. Yeah, he just wants to bedazzle his lungs. <laughs> that okay. was the entire reason he Interesting. took the deep breath of <laughs> drug <laughs> drug dust. <laughs> Love it. We all have our reasons. Yeah. Now, something else interesting I wanted to note about the spice and the sand and nibbler's litter box is when the characters use it, their eyes visually turn orange. Normally, the character eyes are white on the show. And this, to me, is a clear reference to the eyes of the Abad. Naturally, I mean, from the book, the eyes of the Abad are blue, not orange. The blue within blue eyes of the Fremen, of right. the Deep Desert, and the people that consume Spice. But Spice in its unprocessed form is orange. It only turns blue when it's processed and distilled. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a fun little reference. That orange-blue difference is something that catches Dune fans all the time. And so I, I appreciated that they had... They chose a color. <laughs> they were just like... They chose a color. <laughs> but, but it's still a cool it. reference for sure very intentional reference you know totally well the next element that we wanted to highlight is the fremen themselves and in the futurama episode upon arriving in the desert of the litter box uh, our cast of intrepid heroes meets some <laughs> dung beetles uh -huh. who explain they're not dung beetles oh quote it's pronounced doong the G is almost <laughs> silent, end quote. So the Doong beetle, uh, matriarch, immediately spits in Leela's eye, which is hilarious. Amazing. And Leela's like, oh my God, we're being attacked. Classic Gurney Halleck response. <laughs> but because Fry happens to be peeing off to the side, the matriarch thanks them for their returned gift of moisture. Right. <laughs> Delightful. Delightful. Now, the matriarch explains later in the episode that she's a shaman. So kind of a uh, reverend mother or like Sayadina. Mm -hmm. She is a guide to the mm -hmm. Doong beetle culture. <laughs> and she uses the sacred chamber to take a heavy dose of the glitter in order to guide their decisions. So Amazing. Yeah. A la Spice Agony, you know. 
that whole thing is basically represented in that very quick reference. Right. Reverend Mothers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I cracked this joke actually in our watch along video as well, but I love maybe my favorite joke of the episode, but I love that the G is just silent enough not to cross copyright laws. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Two yeah, thumbs yeah. up. <laughs> I did wonder if they had to consult with the Herbert estate or if because they were so clearly doing like satire, if it falls into fruit, like public use. Yeah. Or, I'm, um, I'm sure they were fine. Yeah. It's none, none of it was inflammatory. Although <laughs> I will go on record and say this might be the best written thing since Frank Herbert passed. Hey, <laughs> the, the best written Dune thing since Frank Herbert rest. <laughs> well, savage anyway, take. Savage, yeah, brutal. Sorry, Brian. Um, write better, and I won't make fun of you. <laughs> well, the Dune Beatles have a few more Dune references among their ranks that we wanted to highlight right now their residence the place where they bring everybody after they initially meet appears to be a giant sand castle a la like arakeen palace in the deep desert but once they're inside of this like magnificent castle it's just clearly a siege it's clearly right. caves and tunnels and you know it's clearly that sort of fremen living we get a uh, trader joe's brand stilgar everyone's favorite Navy boy. Right. This one is named Bilgar. Love it. <laughs> Quote, Bilgar is our second best guide. Our best guide got eaten by a sandworm. Listen to him closely and do most <laughs> of what he says. End quote. <laughs> Delightful. Yeah, that's cute. Now, later, when they're walking, they're crossing the desert, going from one mound to another mound, Bilgar explains that they must walk without the rhythm of doong beetles otherwise they'll attract the giant sandworms who are attracted to the rhythmic walking of doong beetles yeah so he says whatever you do don't walk like a doong beetle a, a lesson that all fans all dean fans know well yeah walk without rhythm don't attract the sandworm indeed and then he even uses a pounder which is effectively a thumper to <laughs> attract the sandworm because yeah. it replicates the sound of walking, the rhythm of walking. Right. Also sets up the stupidest joke in the fucking episode, which was Bender saying, my grandfather was a pounder. And then as they're running from the sandworm, he goes, I guess that makes me a quarter pounder. And I was like, boo, <laughs> hamburger oh. joke. Ah, Okay. Okay. That one also went above my head. I don't remember that joke. <laughs> it's fine. Well, let's talk about, quote unquote, Arrakis itself in this episode. Yeah. Because the litter box, obviously, is an analogy for Arrakis. It's silly and playful, but there are some fun parallels here and some fun references that we wanted to call out. Mm -hmm. First and foremost, the litter box, aka the desert, is home to a variety of animals. And some of these appear to be clear references to fauna within Dune that we know about. Right. First of all, we see pygmy hyena moles, <laughs> uh -huh. which is a potentially gross reference to Muad'Dib. Yeah. The kangaroo mouse that we see in the film, that we know about in the book, that we've talked about on this podcast. This is probably a reference to the little mouse crossing the desert. We also see a hairless sand pigeon, which is a desert dwelling bird 
potentially a reference to other desert-dwelling birds that we've come across in the books, the hawks, the carrion eaters Mm -hmm. that we've seen in chapters like the one where Liet Kynes died. Right. Cool references to potential animals that we've seen in the books themselves. Yeah. And again, kind of deep cut when you think about it, right? Like your average person isn't going to be like, we need to have a Muad'Dib mouse reference in here, or we need to have a reference to birds because they're so symbolic in the books. Yeah. Fun to see that. Yeah, yeah. Now, finally, this one is a bit more on the nose, but there is this ornithopter-like vehicle called the Roachthopters in the episode. (laughs) Subtle, yeah. That the Doong beetles use to travel. Right. And what's fun about this is that it is practically lifted exactly from Denny Villeneuve's film. Yeah. There's a lot of sort of visual references and visual gags from Denny's version of Dune. And this is one of the more clearer and on-the-nose ones. The roachthopters look exactly like the ornithopters from the movie. Yeah. Yeah, they've got... It's funny. I mean, obviously the wings are there, but there's also the telescoping ramp. Like when the roachthopter arrives toward the end of the episode, it has the same type of ramp that we see like Paul, uh, Timothy Chalamet and, and Gurney Halleck hanging off of in that like iconic shot over the sandworm yeah over the sandworm right and and actually speaking of the sandworms let's talk about the sandworms yes you can't have dune references without giant sandworms Uh (laughs) uh-huh i think Uh at some point we did a we we talked about like references to dune in popular media and a lot of them tend to be giant space about the worm about the worm futurama doesn't disappoint one is naturally attracted to the enticing rhythm, the sick desert beats of Bilgar's Pounder. <laughs> what a stupid sentence. <laughs> the team is armed to confront this worm, right? Professor armed them with weapons to fight the worms. Mm-hmm. And the weapons, these rifles, fire, quote, deadly rounds of liquid ivermectin, end quote. <laughs> so, okay, ivermectin, right? It's a deworming it's a medicine for pet parasites yeah is probably the lethal ingredient but i'm counting it that they could have been like ivermectin pellets or i don't know like a projectile or ivermectin it's liquid ivermectin they are literally armed with guns that shoot liquid to fight sandworms which which we know would work in uh in dune canonicity right so pretty good totally now mysteries compound for our intrepid adventurers when the giant sandworm, apparently a single organism, explodes oh. into many, many worms, smaller worms. And these smaller parasitic worms, uh, some of whom are wielding sharp knives. Oh, oh my gosh, Ooh. sharp knives. Hello. And in fact, when you look at the giant sandworm, the knives that the, the little worms are holding are the teeth of the sandworm, the way they drew it. They look like the teeth of Villeneuve's adaptation worm. Yes. But when the worm falls apart, you see that those teeth were, in fact, the knives of the little worms, which is just a delightful reference to Chris Knives. Yeah. Right? 100%. (laughs) Rather than Chris Knives being made of sandworm teeth, now sandworm teeth are made of Chris Knives. So, perfect. (laughs) And then even the reveal that this giant organism is composed of smaller organisms is also really shockingly spot on within Dune lore, right? Because the giant sandworms, according to both Dune and the Dune Encyclopedia, are made of sand trout that have kind of coalesced into a single organism. 
following a spice blow. Right. So <laughs> shockingly deep references. Shockingly here. deep cut there. Yeah. Almost, I almost think it's like, this got to be a coincidence, right? Like they had to have accidentally stumbled onto some of this, right? Maybe. But the other deep cuts really make me wonder. That's true. If you're going to go deep on things like a reference to Muad'Dib, the desert mouse. Yeah. It doesn't seem that far-fetched to me to also make a reference to sand trout. I believe it. I mean, they do crazy amounts of work on these episodes. Yeah. But but still, it just it just feels like no one likes it as much as we do. Right? Mm. Right? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'll turn some of that writer's room into listeners. True. Maybe they'll be like, wait a second. These two crazy fuckers <laughs> caught a lot of what we were talking about. Let's talk about David Lynch a little bit, though. I know we already <laughs> talked about Denny Villeneuve yeah. and how he influenced this parody episode of Futurama. The same can be said for David Lynch as well. There are a couple of small references to the more Lynch visual aesthetic from the 84 film that we wanted to shout out as well, because these also feel like deep cuts for us huge Dune fans out there. Three quick things that jumped out to us. Number one, the sacred chamber that the Dune beetle shaman (laughs) slash reverend mother leader uses to douse herself in spice slash glitter slash litter box sand. Mm-hmm. That's a dead ringer for the Spacing Guild's Navigator Chamber, right? From the David Lynch adaptation, the very first scene in that movie is Emperor Shaddam meeting a Spacing Guild representative, and the chamber is exactly that. Right. So that visual gag is there in this episode. The second thing that stood out is our protagonists are able to overpower the worms using their high-powered rifles with the ivermectin in it, which to us is awfully reminiscent of the weirding modules from Lynch's film, right? Fustro, my word, my (laughs) name is a killing word. Bang, bang, make my clock, you know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This feels like a, a pretty niche reference to that as well, if we're not reading too much into it. I mean, again, powerful guns brought by the protagonist off-worlders. Right. That's the thing that turns the battle. So, sure. Could be. And item number three, this one is my favorite. Item number three that stood out to us is for the discerning ears out there, which isn't me. I didn't catch this. You caught this. The discerning ears out there might have caught a cameo by Kyle motherfucking Kwisatz Haderach himself, (laughs) McLaughlin. Yeah. He did the voice of one of the unnamed Doom Beatles in this episode, which is very cool to have Paul Atreides from David Lynch's 1984 film himself be in your Dune parody episode of your of your show. Yeah. That must have been very cool for the the writers room and the creators of the show to to get that. Yeah, I don't want to claim full credit cuz I remember seeing an article where this was like the first time that Kyle MacLachlan has done a dune thing since dune okay so yeah, it was yeah. like he returned to dune in a fun weird way that's funny and he is credited as also f- starring or also featuring like he's in the credits my best guess because i tried to kind of compare uh, one of the beatles comes forward and looks at fry and asks the matriarch Dung beetle could he be the quiznos cadillac <laughs> and that voice sounds very distinct initially i even wrote in the script that that was bilgar but it's not bilgar Mm. it's like it's a distinct voice from bilgar so maybe kyle that might be kyle which the idea of the actual 
OG first film adaptation version of the Kwisatz Haderach. My name is a killing word. Right. Having Being a line about Kwisatz guy, Haderach. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah, he yeah. the Quiznos Cadillac? <laughs> it's like, it's just so good. So if anybody out there in listener land can confirm for us, is that Quiznos Cadillac line Kyle McLaughlin? We want to know. Tell us. Yeah. Hit us up in Discord. Hit us up. Now, that carries us to our final little thing that we wanted to uh, focus in on. We have some, like, rapid-fire ones, but the last, like, meatier one that we wanted to talk about is God Emperor of Dune and the Golden Path. Mm. What? Crazy. Now, listen. After the big sandworm splits into a lot of little worms, we get a very on-the-nose reference the king-looking worm, who I think is a returning character in Futurama, but I don't know enough about Futurama to say for sure. Mm -hmm. He declares, quote, I am the god emperor of Doong, end quote. (laughs) Which, like, okay, yeah. So you open the can of worms that is god emperor of Dune references, hell yes. And the parallel that became more clear to me as I was kind of looking at this script and thinking about the episode is in the world of Dune, Frank Herbert's Dune, we have Paul as the first Kwisatz Haderach who sees the golden path, but can't bring himself to go down it. Okay. And we see the events of Dune Messiah because of that. Right. And in fact, it's his son, a second Messiah who actually does then go down that golden path and whatever we see into the beginning of God Emperor of Dune. Mm-hmm. So, okay, that's Frank Herbert's universe. Mm-hmm. In Futurama, Nibbler is Paul, who is like the foretold Lisan Al-Gaib. And he basically gives up, aka the plot of Dune Messiah. He's like, oh, well, I must sacrifice. The worms eat me and I'm part of nature. And oh, right. everything is futile. Yeah. Oh, well, my death and sacrifice is necessary. I'm a martyr, you know? Right. Very Paul in Dune Messiah. Now, Leela goes through her own spice agony in the site in the sacred chamber. She sees the deeper truth. Quote, the web of life extends even deeper than Nibbler perceived. End quote. And sets the team upon the actual path to happiness slash survival slash the end of the episode. The happy end of this episodic series. Mm -hmm. So this is very much, I think, the same pattern of like, it is not Paul who delivers humanity along the golden path. It is Leto. It is not Nibbler. It is Leela. So that was kind of a fun parallel to the uh, God Imperfect. You really ran with that. You were like, Here, here's my tinfoil hat on top of my tinfoil hat. <laughs> but listen, it tracks. If they hadn't put in the I am the God Emperor of Dune reference, I would be like, this is me looking too deeply into it. Mm-hmm. The fact that they even reference God Emperor of Dune, I think, necessitates that someone on the writer's team kind of has a has an idea oh, yeah. of that shape, which is enough to inform the joke. Yeah, totally. I'll also point out that Leela's like, we need to kill the sub-parasites who are weakening the worms. And that's just got to happen. You know, and she, she kind of makes a joke within the within the episode of like, ah, whatever, you got to draw the line somewhere. But the reality of like, it's kind of a jihad to like step out. And I think we made that joke during the watch along. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, kind of a buggy yeah. jihad. You're stomping out all these little sub-parasites. Right. Well, like a necessary evil to get the golden path 
Sounds a lot like the guy in Purdue. Sounds like a jihad to me. Yeah. (laughs) I truly think the references are there intentionally. Same. This writer's room are huge Dune fans. And this episode definitely shows that. Now, to round out our references and our discussion of this episode, a couple of rapid fire things that we wanted to very quickly go through. There's not much depth here, but it is fun to call some of these things out throughout the episode. Yeah. First and foremost, the soundtrack. Yep. Even at the title credits at the start, before we get that familiar Futurama anthem, we get a bit of like Hans Zimmer style, like mysterious music. Mm -hmm. And it actually repeats throughout the episode a couple of times as well. So there's some clear musical reference to Hans Zimmer's score from the movie. Yeah. Another Denny Villeneuve reference here. There's also the fact that none of the natives of the litter box in this episode use projectile weaponry. They all use melee weapons. And as we know, that's critical in Dune because of shielding technology. Projectile weapons are all but useless in the universe of Dune. So that's fun to see here as well. The only projectile weapons that we see are the ivermectin guns that the quote-unquote off-worlders bring with them. Another fun reference here is about the ecology, this larger theme of ecology in Dune. Mm -hmm. Toward the end of the episode, Nibbler delivers this like messianic and ecological message. He says, quote, everything is connected. Everything is perfect. (laughs) Yeah. End quote. And I feel like that's an idea that Frank would be quite proud of. That's a conservationist message that he could get behind for sure. Yeah, totally. And another quick reference in the episode is Plans Within Plans, the iconic idea in Dune, Plans Within Plans, in response to one of the sandworms sort of confettiing and blowing up into smaller worms. Zoidberg <laughs> yells out, quote, it's worms within worms, end quote. <laughs> Yeah, And then that kind of comes back again later in the episode when, <laughs> when Leela says, quote, there are levels within levels within levels. That's too many levels, yeah. end quote. <laughs> and not only is that a reference to plans within plans, of course, but I feel like that also echoes many people's first experience reading Dune for the first time. Too many levels. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Well, and that basically covers a lot of what we discovered in looking through this episode. Naturally, if you out there in listener land caught anything we missed, hit us up, send us an email, come to our podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear if there were any references we missed. Definitely. And uh, as we wrap up, as we always do, I'm going to ask the question, what did you think, Abu? Mm. And in addition to what did you think just broadly about the show, was there a moment that sort of sits as your favorite moment from this episode? Um, Okay, I'll start with what did I think in general. And I'll say that it wasn't bad. Sure. Especially for my first Futurama episode. I mentioned this in the watch along video, but I have never seen Futurama in my life. And so this was literally my first ever experience. And it was fun to see the Dune references. It's clear to me, at least, that the writer's room has read more of Frank's books than Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson have. They actually (laughs) made it through God Emperor (laughs) of Dune, it sounds like. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. All in all, though, just sort of zooming out, I I don't think I'm particularly sold on Futurama as a show based on this one episode. It's not particularly my kind of humor, unfortunately. Sure. Uh, I found it to be very sort of ADD, like it was just like jump cutting everywhere constantly from scene to scene to plot point to plot point. 
And a lot of the humor seemed to be like sort of, I'm a quarter pounder, like quick gags just played for laughs. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, nothing against it. Not my kind of humor. Doesn't really get me. Doesn't tickle the funny bone for me. Right. What did tickle the funny bone for me, though, was Bilgar. So I'll say I think the scenes with Bilgar and particularly the shaman's advice to follow most of what he tells you to do. Yeah. That yeah. did get me to chuckle for sure. And uh, I found the Bill Guard character to be quite silly. So I'll, I'll say that was my favorite part of the episode. <laughs> Pretty good. What about you? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think it was fine. Um, it's not the funniest episode that I've ever seen of Futurama, but it's still fun. And I definitely have watched quite a bit of Futurama. Certainly, I think, closer to my sense of humor. But it was mostly this episode was just fun to see elements of Dune animated it could have been a lot funnier, <laughs> but it was still fun. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I just want to highlight the fact that we're fucking seeing Dune stuff animated. We are seeing yeah. Dune references animated. Great point. What a great time to be a Dune fan. Never a better time. Literally. We had Brian and, and Kevin books for 15, 20 years and now we're having Futurama references and Villeneuve and... yeah. It's just such a good time to be a Dune fan. My favorite moment is probably the Quiznos Cadillac. It's super low-hanging fruit, but that whole moment plays out in such a funny way to me. Yeah. Where the music, the setup of, could he be the Quiznos Cadillac? And then yeah. the shaman's very quick, nope, and closing the book. Right. Delightful. Love it. And it Love just rolls kind of off stuff. the tongue. You and I have been cracking that joke since <laughs> yeah. watching that episode, you know? Yeah. It's also funny because I, I looked up a transcript of the episode and it looks like they spelled Quiznos Cadillac K-W-I-Z-N-O-S versus the, I guess, the restaurant brand. So again, dodging the <laughs> dodging lawsuits those, and dodging right. litigation. Left and right. Like Neo in the fucking Matrix. They're just <laughs> weaving those bullets. It's great. I'll also point out tinfoil hat time. So, okay. Doong, beetle, prophetic text. Mm -hmm. She turns the book and we see an illustration of Nibbler, but he has blonde hair and blue eyes. And initially this moment kind of caught me off guard. And I was like, why? Why? Why is that the joke? Like the, it, for as well researched as all of this is, why? what is this reference? What is this joke? We know a lot about Dune. There's... Paul is not a blonde hair, blue eyed person. So like, what is this reference? Yeah. So two things. First, I looked up the characters on the left page that seem to be like text. And it says Doong Messiah at the top of the page, which is kind of funny. Ah, fun. But the rest of the page seemed to be gibberish. And even by the alien texts of Futurama. So if you out there in listener land know of a way to like translate that, or if it's just gibberish, let us know. Again, maybe we should reach out to people from the show and be like, hey, is there a cipher? We should uh, give it give it to us. And if not, yeah. tell us so that we can not waste time on this. Yeah. But then the other thing is with this blonde hair, blue eyed thing, my opinion, my thought is that this is a reference to Lawrence of Arabia. Mm, okay. And the why, the sort of why would Lawrence of Arabia have a reference within this episode is because in broad strokes, Dune's narrative shares some commonalities with that classic story. In fact, if you Google Dune and Lawrence of Arabia, there are hundreds, it seems, articles comparing the two, saying Lawrence of Arabia walked so that Dune could run. 
People are saying Dune is just Lawrence of Arabia in space. Oh, wow. The two are often compared. And I think for many of us who understand more the, the themes of Dune, Dune is not about Paul saving the Fremen in many ways. Paul's involvement with the Fremen dooms them to a much worse outlook, but they do get paired up a lot. And then I Googled Lawrence of Arabia, which I've never seen in, in, all, uh, in all honesty. And the protagonist of Lawrence of Arabia is like super blue eyed, blonde haired. So I was like, oh yeah, maybe this is a reference to when you're talking about Dune in 2023 and talks of white savior stories, Lawrence of Arabia gets brought up, at least in a lot of the conversations I've seen. So yeah, maybe that's it. Uh, but for you out there in listener land, if you have a better suggestion for why Nibbler is blonde hair, blue eyed, <laughs> let us know. I'm so curious. I might ping, the, I'll ping the discord and I want to, I want to see what people think. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that is as tinfoily as you've ever gotten. I'm impressed. Eh, maybe <laughs> you've achieved new heights. You've gone super saiyan too. I mean, listen, I just keep buying tinfoil and the hat just keeps getting <laughs> taller. Well, that's our episode, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this, at least United States holiday week. Yes. Hope you're all having a wonderful week if you celebrate. But before we let you go, we have some more reminders of how to support the show, how to keep in touch with us. And of course, the first way, and we've mentioned it a few times in today's episode, but the first and best way to support us is to become a patron at patreon.com slash gamjabar. You get cool benefits like ad-free episodes, weekly blooper clips, and an invite to our Discord server. And we post things like this 30-minute watch-along video that yeah. who knows how long it'll be up there. But we have the video file, so right. if it gets taken down, we'll right. put it somewhere else. Well, we'll dodge those bullets uh, like yeah. Neo and the Copyright Matrix. can't catch us. No, we're untouchable until we're touched. <laughs> and then we'll uh, try to figure out how to not get touched anymore. <laughs> But yeah, patreon.com slash gamjabar. Your support makes what we do possible and it means the world to us. Thank you so much to everybody who is a patron. Right. Now, another great way to support the show is to get yourself some great Dune-themed merch from our store, gamjabarshop.com. It's the holidays. You need to get people gifts. Don't bother with getting them anything they want. Get them Dune merch instead <laughs> that they may or may not have asked for. Gamjabarshot.com. We've got art, apparel, mugs, a tote bag. Check it out. Get yourself something nice. Get your loved ones something nice and support the show. Yeah. Talk about dodging <laughs> legalese, <laughs> dodging <laughs> copyright laws. And finally, we love to hear from you. So whether you caught something we didn't catch in the episode, if you have a theory about blonde hair, blue eyed nibbler, if you can translate that alienese text for us, email us gamjabarpodcast at gmail.com. We love to hear from you. Yeah. Maybe if you've got a cartoon that you think should do a Dune reference, let us know what cartoon you think would do that well. And uh, of course, you can also just send us your comments, your questions, your concerns, pictures of your pets, whatever you want gomjabarpodcast at gmail.com that's right and i don't know about you leo yeah but my slig was delicious oh dare i say <laughs> uh -huh. the tastiest thanksgiving slig this side of heaven the universe heaven, what's that he quote he heaven, heaven yeah. <laughs> this side of heaven <laughs> did you do you do you like your slig with uh cranberries cranberry sauce cranberry sauce you know mm. i'll say i'm partial to Cornbread, which has nothing to do with slicks. That's just a Thanksgiving take. <laughs> sure. Cornbread is great. 
I fucking love cornbread. Yeah. I could eat nothing but cornbread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the best cornbread has a little bit of that salty with the sweetness mm. of the corn, the natural sweetness of yes, the corn. Absolutely. That, like, maybe just in the crust. Absolutely. I gotta yeah. say, southern cornbread is next level. Yeah. I feel like I've had some like northern cooking cornbread. No. Right. For our listeners who aren't in the States, find your way to the South. <laughs> yeah and get you some cornbread yeah american cuisine gets dug all the time dude barbecue yeah fucking rules <laughs> collard greens cornbread yeah sweet potato Ugh. although don't put fucking marshmallows in your sweet potato stop it what the fuck you haven't heard of that you're from ohio you haven't heard of that marshmallows in your sweet potato yeah people will do like sweet potato casserole with marshmallows and i'm like sweet potatoes are already ground candy like what are you doing these white people need to be stopped <laughs> They've gone too far. Although, as a white person, I am very team raisins. I love raisins <laughs> so goddamn much. You put raisins in your oatmeal cookies? Hell yeah. I'm here for it. Wow. I know. As a not white person, I hate raisins. You hate raisins? Raisins are so good. Raisin brand, worst cereal. What? No. Worst. I would take any brand of cereal There's over raisin There's so brand. many worse cereals than that. <laughs> I'm not saying it's great, but it, you know... God, there's cereal that tastes like glass. <laughs> better than Raisin Bran. You heard it here first. <laughs> well, listen, even Raisin Bran is better than Brian Herbert's writing. <laughs> God is ass. We <laughs> fucking got him. Well, friends, there is no real ending. It's just the place where you stop the recording. But this podcast is always one step beyond logic, so help spread the word of Mwadib and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And be sure to check out the other shows on the Lord Party Podcast Network on lordparty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. We're also on TikTok at Gamjabar Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, whoever controls the podcast controls the universe. We'll see you on the golden path.